This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Path, the coach-guided membership designed to help you make alcohol small and relevant in your life by removing your true desire to grab that next drink. Our science-based, compassion-led program allows you not only to shift your behavior and your relationship around alcohol, but more importantly, uncover and reprogram your subconscious conditioning and neural connections that have been keeping you stuck for years. With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Christy. Welcome, Christy. How are you? I am so happy that I'm here with you. Um, I'm just so grateful even just to be in your virtual presence right now and really humbled by this experience already. So thanks for having me. Excited. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming on. Thanks for taking the time to tell your story. It's just really a gift. So I really appreciate it. So let's go kind of all the way back to the beginning with alcohol, like your first drink. Where did it all start for you? Okay, sure. So I have been thinking about this a lot lately. um, And for me, it started around the age of 15. And I had a really great close friend at that time, and we did everything together. And so we thought, hey, why not do this together too? So we started off, you know, drinking beers. And, you know, I don't know how we got them at 15, but we had our ways. Um, and then I distinctly remember a, um, an incident with, um, some peach schnapps It involved a Del Taco in a bathroom and (laughs) not feeling so great. Um, but that's really how it all started back at that time. And, um, and just progressed from there. I think like I listened to a lot of the guests on your podcast and just people that you've interviewed. And it's just really interesting how, our experience with alcohol changes over time and we get what we think more refined. So, you know, that happened through, through high school and then into college. I was actually friends with that same person and we lived together and, you know, it turned more into social and we'd go out to the clubs and the bars and all of that as we got a little bit older and then, you know, enter early twenties. And I started working in a, um, for a really wonderful company in a, um, very well-known, very well-respected company. And, um, it just changed a little bit. So, you know, we would go out for martinis and always, you know, having drinks with the girls and, and all of that. And I, the whole, this whole time, I always felt it was very um, normal and just part of our culture. And I never really had any type of second thought about drinking at all, just because it was all around me. And um, I actually had met my now husband back when I was 17. And so he's definitely intricately woven into my story with alcohol as well, which is also an interesting piece of this. Um, yeah. And so it just sort of, uh, you know, continued to go from there. I never really felt like it was a problem, like I said. 
And then I had kids. And as we know, like kids just change everything. And so I distinctly remember um, with, actually it goes back to um, when I, I think it was probably 2006, somewhere around there. And um, I had a miscarriage, my husband and I. Mm. And that's the first time I remember actually cognitively soothing myself with an outside source. Um, and just, I remember making that connection of like, I need to stop thinking about this. I need to stop feeling it. Yeah. And it wasn't really on the full conscious level, but I do remember being like, this is, I just need anything to stop feeling this. Um, and then when I got pregnant with my daughter and she was my first and she was colicky baby and it was just a whole new world for us. And I, um, experienced postpartum depression and I told no one. And this was the second time I remember thinking, oh, I know what will help me. And so I just, you know, would have a glass of wine or a beer or whatever, and I would time it perfectly so that it would never interfere with the nursing schedule. And that's kind of when it ramped up a little bit more too, because I realized like it wasn't just something I was doing for fun or socially anymore, but that would actually help me to not um, feel certain feelings. Um, and then, you know, just with parenthood, it just continued all through all this difficult, more, you know, more difficult stages. And then again, you have our culture at every birthday party, there's alcohol um, and, you know, every, every kid event, everything that you do, it seems now when I look back that it was always woven in with alcohol. Yeah. That's really yeah. like the, the, the gist of how my relationship with alcohol progressed to that point. So backing up to when you were really young and your first drinking before, obviously the peach schnapps in the bathroom and not feeling good. Do you remember liking it, not liking it? just doing it because other people are doing it or how did you feel about it? Um, I remember feeling like a little rebellious and um, I wasn't rebelling necessarily against family or anything like that. Cause I had a little kind of a loosey goosey um, situation at home where it wasn't, you know, wasn't really talked about that much as you should never do this. But mm. I remember it feeling just like it was bonding. Like it was part of, my friendship and what, what you do next, right? Like that's what people do. Um, did I like it? No. At first I remember just being like, and I, I also remember the darker beers at that time. This was like, um, mid nineties when, you know, people, it was really big to have IPAs started coming on the scene and all of those. And I remember thinking like, that doesn't taste good. Um, and then definitely not at first. I remember thinking like, the, especially peach schnapps and all of that. It was, it was a shock to the system, but then after a few sips, I was like, okay, it's sweet. It's actually good. Okay. I like it. And so that's probably how I was with all types of alcohol. Um, as I started kind of forcing myself at first and then being like, oh yeah, this is good. And then you hear other people talk about quality of wine and you you know, it's so refined and so sophisticated if you have favorites and that type of a thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of make all this meaning around it, like 
if I'm not doing this then, or if I am doing this and create an identity and all that sorts of stuff. Yeah, So absolutely. So then, you know, as you're moving forward, did you have any moments where you're like, this, this isn't feeling good or what prompted change? Yes, I would say, um, as my kids started getting a little bit older, and then I think I was just getting older too. And so it was a combination of me getting older and my kids getting older. And then some things that were happening with me spiritually that I felt like I couldn't, um, ignore anymore. And so I started what you, you know, you introduced this phrase to me, this cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. So that was when, and it's so funny because a lot of the things that you said, the same exact thing would happen to me. And that's why I think your work resonated so much with me is when I would wake up at three in the morning or three 30 or, you know, sometimes two 30. And I would just, my initial instinct would be like, this isn't for me. This isn't, it doesn't feel good. I have anxiety. What did I say? What did I do? And the in, really interesting piece is that I probably drank less than anybody that I know. And I always prided myself on, I don't drink hard alcohol. You know, once I was in the stage of being a parent, I don't drink hard alcohol and I don't get drunk. Mm-hmm. Those were my things where I was like, so I'm fine. Right. Yeah. But still, like, I always look back and I'm like, and yet I had that voice and I had, you know, I would wake up and just be like, this isn't for you. This isn't, you feel terrible. And you don't, you know, I would ask myself, like, did I yell at my daughter or did I, you know, say something that I didn't want to say, or was I just like grumpy, you know? And I always knew that the answer was probably yes. Yeah. Um, And so that's when the rub started happening. And when I would feel like hazy the next day, because I just felt um, like I wasn't as sharp as I wanted to be for work or for just like being present with my kids. So that's when that started where I was like, I didn't want to do this thing anymore, but I didn't really know how to change it. And there was this like great divide and no one was talking about it. Nobody that I knew would ever said like, I don't like my drinking, or I feel like I want to quit, but I don't know how. And so all I knew at that time was, well, there's AA out there, but I, you know, didn't get a DUI. I don't have, nobody would look at my life and say, oh, she needs help. Right. So everything was functioning and I was crushing it at work. I had a beautiful family, but it was inside. Um, And then that's like where the spiritual piece came in too, was that I would be in church and this happened for years that I would just be like, just in these quiet moments and I would like hear or feel, I don't really know, um, this impression of like, if you can just get past this, I have Mm. so much more for you. Oh, I love that. And that was for years. And so that dissonance of like, I know that I know in my heart of hearts, if I could figure it out, like my life will be even more genuine and even fuller. It'll match the inside will match what people see on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and has that proven to be true? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Like it's in so many ways, you know, when you talk about that going from sepia to technicolor, that is exactly the way that I look at it. 
is like, I, I don't, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had just such a narrow spectrum of feeling emotions. And so I was always kind of in that middle ground where nothing really rattled me. Um, but also I don't think I experienced the joy and the peace that I now have really easy access to. And um, so, yes, and my life has changed in a lot of ways just in that last January 2020 um, was my last drink. And my life has changed so much, like more so from the inside, from what I feel. And when I lay my head on the pillow at night, uh, no cognitive dissonance, no questioning myself, no beating myself up. And then that takes shape externally too. Um, in the way that I'm showing up to my own life now. It's awesome. Yeah. Big difference. That's just so cool. So, um, so once you kind of realized you wanted to change, how did that change go for you? Um, well, it started, I would say in like October, November, December of, um, 2019, I was in the middle of this cycle where I would get, um, really overwhelmed with all the stuff, like, you know, being the Girl Scout cookie mom and helping with the school play and, you know, the, the soccer mom, all the things for the kids. And then also really trying to do everything I could at work because I love my work. I'm really passionate about my work. And so I would do all of those things. And part of me was, I think, compensating for this working mom guilt that I think a lot of us can feel. Yeah. And so that was building up to where I kept adding things to my schedule because I felt like then I was like outrunning that feeling of guilt. And then I would get so overwhelmed. My poor husband, <laughs> I would reach the top of this cycle and then she'd be like, I'm done. I cannot do this anymore. I don't know how anybody does it. I just like, if one more thing happens, right. So I was at the up swing of that, I'd say in January. And I was like, Hey, I'm about to lose it. <laughs> about to have a meltdown. And then I found your work. And, um, one of the things that I tried right away was just asking myself, like, what is one, just what's one reason, what's one thing alcohol is doing for you. Mm. And I just looked at that and I'm like, well, obviously it's a fact that alcohol relaxes me, right? I work so hard during the day. I put my mom hat on at night and this is just my thing that I get to right. have. And I get to, it was like this um, middle ground between like my daytime identity and my evening identity. And this was my thing. And plus everybody else was doing it and, you know, enter mommy wine, uh, wine culture, mommy wine culture. And so um, that one exercise of like, it relaxes me and writing that down, I didn't even do the full alcohol experiment. I did that question and I asked myself like, is it true? And let's experiment. So have a glass of wine. How relaxed are you now? And it was just this like, just this unveiling of truth that was so, so powerful. And um, that was in January and I think it was January 25th and I wasn't even like planning on quitting really. I was just like, let's just see how this goes. Right. But there's something about, I listened to your book on audio 
Um, and I've since read it um, on paper, like, I don't know, 10 times and sent it out to a bunch of different people. But there's something about that bringing the subconscious thoughts to the surface that feels like it's elementary, like you feel kind of silly doing it, but it's so powerful. And so when I saw the truth right there in black and white, that like actually my net effect is not that it relaxes me. It actually makes me more on edge because I'm adding all of these other um, mental things and physical things to the stress, right? So now I have like the stressor, plus I have all the stuff I've added to it by drinking. Um, and as soon as that crumbled, it was like all the other stuff crumbled. And I, I think you said in your book, um, without desire, there exists no temptation. That's in yeah. the introduction, like mic drop. Um, and that's when people now ask me, you know, how, to, or is this hard for you? Like, how do you go out? How'd you go to Vegas and not drink? Or how did you go to Hawaii and not drink. I'm like, I don't have the desire because I realized that the desire that I did have was false, false desire. Mm -hmm. And that it wasn't doing that for me anyway. And so that was January. And then as timing ha has it, February, um, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. And that was a, a really, it would be significant for anybody, of course, but for our particular situation, it was, um, it was significant because um, I'm the only one of three kids who lives close to my mom and there would be, you know, appointments and logistics to work out. And it's just so interesting that if that would have happened two months earlier when alcohol was my crutch, I don't know how the trajectory would have gone, but I'm so grateful that the timing worked out the way that it did. Um, because then I went through all of the emotions of something like that happening without alcohol and without, you know, I used to just like, oh, I don't like this feeling. So I'm going to do what everybody else does and drink. And now I couldn't, I could have done it, but I was like, I know now, like, it's like, I know, when you know, you know, and now I know that that actually isn't the answer. So, um, went through that and then everybody knows the little thing that happened in March, 2020 and how that changed all of our lives and mm -hmm. brought the kids home and changed the way that we work and, um, all of that. And so that's really, you know, when everything really changed for me was, um, was at that time. So. Oh, amazing. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about like, how then did it go for you socially? I know it was, some of it were on lockdown, but like, what was, what was the impact to your social circles? That's a really good question. And I think I'm still, I'm, I think because of lockdown, maybe, and I'm still seeing how that's all playing out, <clears throat> but socially, I mean, I've been, I've, I've done, you know, all of the vacations and all of the holidays and girls nights and all of that. And it didn't, I guess it didn't really change. I'm thinking about my closest friendships. And fortunately, those friendships weren't, they were never based on alcohol. Um, and so we have kind of found our new normal outside of that. And there's questions. And it's funny, because um, 
when I first decided this and you tell people, I told people, oh yeah, I'm just not drinking anymore. Like it's just not, not adding to my life. And they immediately go to like, well, I don't really drink that much. And I'm like, I'm not judging you. Like you do what you want to do. But, um, so, I mean, I think to answer your question, it didn't, it, it, it's been fine. There's, there's a couple friends that I realized like, oh, I guess that, that really was what our, what, what the glue was that kept us together. And those just kind of naturally have fallen away, but I still am really close with all of my, you know, really closest friends throughout that were, we were close with, I was close with before that time too. Um, I think the way it affects me socially now is just, I, I, I don't know. I'm so entertained when I go places, like I just watch human behavior yeah. and, you know, I just actually got back from the Bahamas and you just watch. And I look at like the business that is the alcohol industry mm-hmm. and I can see it so much more objectively now from the outside and not in a judgy way of like, oh, I can't believe you're playing into that. But it definitely is interesting. And it's it's interesting to watch like how behavior changes, you know, from the you know early part of the day through the afternoon and into the evening. But I don't, it doesn't stop me from doing anything. Like I said, I have fun in Vegas and like go out. I go to all the girls trips. I go dancing, went to a wedding. I never thought I would like, will I dance if I don't drink? Yeah. (laughs) And it it could be also just the point of my life where I'm in my mid forties. I'm like, I just don't really think I care (laughs) that much anymore. I'm just going to do what feels good to me and not, you know, not be too concerned. Whereas if it was maybe 20 years earlier, I probably would have had a little bit of a harder time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so great to be more comfortable in your own skin. I do feel like that for sure comes later and it's just awesome. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about your marriage. Cause one of the things that, uh, you know, you share a lot about in kind of the communities is just the fact that your husband still drinks and how you navigate that. Yeah. And I, um, I was really, uh, glad that I could help. Cause I think this, I talked about this a little bit in the Facebook community, Cause I do notice a lot of people have, um, have a little, like a struggle when it comes to, but I used to do this with my husband or he wants to do that or, you know, can cause some friction. And I, I a hundred percent get that. And I feel very blessed that, um, that I have the partner that I have because, you know, if you're, like I said, I was with him from the age of 17 like almost 30 years. It's a long time. So you already change so much during that time, you know, remove alcohol from it. You have two people that are, you know, they just change so much during that time. And then with having kids and career changes and all of that, that you, you know, you don't always grow together. It doesn't always complement. And I was a little bit um, nervous. I think that might've been what kept me back for a couple of years towards the end there too, kept me back from kind of pursuing was a little bit of low level fear mm-hmm. of like, what if, like, what if, um, we need that? Like, you know, we've never been together without alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So what happens if you remove that and, you know, will he feel judged or will he feel pressured? And so early on, I, we talked about it really openly and I made it very clear that this was my thing. 
Um, I know that that's not always, it's not, you know, a cookie cutter situation because sometimes some people, it's not possible for them to stay in a relationship or be around someone when they're really trying to change their lives. And that person is not on the same journey. Um, so for me, I can only speak for myself that just what helped was just talking about how I was feeling through everything. And like, I would listen to it and I'd come home and say, oh my gosh, listen to what Annie said today. Or like, I'm going to do this experiment. Like I did it right in front of him. So he could, it, I didn't keep it to myself. And then all of a sudden make this announcement. It was like, Hey, this is how I've been feeling. And he saw it too, over the like years leading up to it, where I just wouldn't like feel good the next day, or I would be beating myself up. And even though that's not his experience, he um, acknowledged and honored that it was my experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's just interesting because you can be in a marriage, you can be in a relationship and be so intimate with someone, but also have your own journey uh, in lots of different areas of your life, um, including alcohol. And I, I'm so glad that I didn't let that hold me back. I, I was afraid, but I did it anyway, because I cared about myself and about the example I wanted to set for my kids. And so to this day, like, you know, we'll go out to dinner or, you know, just a nice like date night at home and he'll have, you know, he'll drink and I won't. And it's not a, a problem. It's not a thing for us. And again, like, I know it's not the same for everybody, but um, fortunately it's, um, we have been able to work it out and just live our own journeys. I love that. That's just awesome. Very, very cool. Was there anything else before I ask kind of my final question that you want to share about your journey? Um, no, I think I just, you know, just want to really stress that I, um, how appreciative I am of you. And I know I mentioned that, um, initially, but I, I now look back and I realize that there is, there just wasn't anything in my face or anything accessible for someone like me. Like I didn't see mm -hmm. myself in any of the different types of support that are out there um, until I found you. And I, you know, and then I started seeing it like everywhere. And I started seeing, oh, I'm not the only one. Like yes, I live this great life and I haven't hit like a rock bottom or anything, but that doesn't mean I want to keep drinking. Right. And so I think that's just the biggest thing I want to say is just, you know, if there's anybody out there that feels like that, like feels like, but I drink less than other people or, you know, I, 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 it's fine <laughs> on the outside. It's fine. And there hasn't been anything major that's happened in my life just to listen to that, that inner voice, um, and, and pay attention to it. And that life really is so much better on, on this other side. So that's all I would share is just, I'm my gratitude to you and for your work. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. So let me ask you the question that I asked at the end is if you were going to sort of go back in time to, you know, one of those moments that, was particularly uncomfortable and you maybe didn't think you were going to get through or you didn't know how to change or, um, and you're going to talk to yourself about, tell yourself from this perspective, what life is like now, what would you tell yourself? 
Oh my gosh. Well, I guess we talked about it a little bit before, but it's that it is that um, technicolor thing. Like life is so much better when you feel it. Yeah. I guess that's, I would leave it at that. Life is so much better when you feel it. And now I can help other people. Whereas like, I guess I would tell my old self, like, you know, you, 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 there is a way it's so much easier than you think it's going to be. And it's all between your ears <laughs> and that, um, not only will your life get better, but your children's lives and their children and generations will be changed from this one decision and all the other women that you talk to about this, That's you know? Amazing. Yeah. That's just amazing. Um, I love that so much. Well, oh, wow. I, I did actually, that wasn't my last question because I wrote myself a note. So I did actually have one more question for you, um, which was you had talked about alcohol being such a transition point from like work to home. And I was just curious, what do you do now to transition? Um, I have started focusing a lot on, well, there's two things. I think one is because you opened this idea in my mind about um, the things that we think and how they impact um, that think, feel, act cycle, how they impact our lives. Um, I stop and I realize that the physical feeling, like if I'm feeling stressed, part of it might be, you know, an actual physical culmination of things from the day, but a lot of it is what I'm telling myself about it you deserve to relax. You, nobody should talk to you that way or gosh, the kids should just stop screaming, right? So I think the first thing to answer that question, the first thing I, I do now is I'm more aware of how I'm feeling and why and that it's optional. So I can, if I want, I can just not feel stressed <laughs> or not feel angry if I wanna do that work. If I don't, then if I, the second thing I do is I just pay attention to my breathing. And um, instead of reaching for something on the outside, I just like center myself. And I tell myself like, this will last 30 seconds because it really does. Like I'm feeling tense I, and I'm aware like, okay, how am I feeling? I'm feeling tense and stressed and pressured and mad or whatever it might be. Breathe through it, acknowledge it. And then it melts away without reaching for something um, external. Yeah, so hopefully that. that kind of, I know it seems a little esoteric, but really it is those two things, like thinking about the thoughts behind why I'm feeling that way, realizing that they're optional, and then just connecting to my, my body and my breath, I think is really now I do it without even thinking about it. Yeah. That's amazing. And it is, it's the simple things. It's the things that we already know that we just haven't like tried because of fear. So it's just awesome. It's yeah. great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for being here and sharing your story. It's just, it's just been such a pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much, Annie. I so appreciate everything that you've done for me and you really have made a big difference in my life and so many other people. So thank you.
I am so excited to announce our newly recalibrated signature program, the PATH Freedom Accelerated. This 90-day program is designed to make freedom from alcohol quicker, more accessible, and more affordable than ever before. Imagine if just 90 days from now, you discover a new freedom without feeling like you're hanging onto willpower by your fingernails, without feeling deprived or like you're missing out, and of course, without shame or guilt or blame. The Path Freedom Accelerated provides a guided, almost hypnotic sequence of content that speaks not only to your conscious mind, but also to your subconscious, actually changing your desire for a drink. Plus, you'll receive daily accountability and support from our coaches and our community. If you feel like you've lost control of your drinking, there is a solution, one that's easier than you might think and doesn't involve rules, missing out, or deprivation. I would love for you to join us. Go to NakedMindPath.com to learn more. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today. Thank you.